You're listening to the Magnum version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Jake2k on savagelovecast.com in one of the comments threads on last week's show wrote, anybody want to guess what next week's intro rant is going to be about? I think what Jake is expecting me to rant about is Hillary Clinton, that I'm going to angrily pound the table and scream and yell about Hillary Clinton, and that's actually not what I'm going to do this week. I'm not going to scream and yell about what Hillary Clinton said about Nancy and Ronald Reagan starting a national conversation about AIDS in the 1980s when they were president and first lady. I'm not going to rant about that. Actually, I'm not going to scream and yell at Hillary Clinton. I'm going to thank Hillary Clinton for what she said. And here, if you missed it, is what she said. It may be hard for your viewers to remember how difficult it was for people to talk about HIV AIDS back in the 1980s. And because of both President and Mrs. Reagan, in particular Mrs. Reagan, we started a national conversation when before nobody would talk about it, nobody wanted to do anything about it. Uh, and, you know, that too is something that I really uh, appreciate uh, with her very effective, low key advocacy, but it penetrated the public conscience and people began to say, hey, we have to do something about this too. You could only say that Nancy and Ronald Reagan started a national conversation about HIV AIDS if. People screaming, desperate, dying people, terrified people screaming at Nancy and Ronald Reagan, why the fuck don't you say or do something about HIV AIDS counts as a conversation. And it does not fucking count as a conversation. Nancy and Ronald Reagan did and said for years nothing as thousands and thousands of Americans, most of them gay men sickened and died. They said nothing. We heard nothing from Ronald and Nancy Reagan about HIV AIDS in the 80s, in the early 80s, when the epidemic was taking off. We did hear something, though, from the Reagan White House about HIV AIDS for the first time in 1982, when nearly 1,000 Americans were already dead. And this is what we heard from the White House. Does the president have any reaction to the I don't have it. Are you? Do you? You don't have it. Well, I'm relieved to hear that. Do you? You didn't, you didn't answer my question. How do you know? Does the president, in other words, the White House looks on this as a great joke? No, I don't know anything about it, Nancy. Does the president, does anybody in the White House know about this epidemic, Larry? I don't think so. I don't think there's been, any, been no personal experience here, Lester. Doctor, I checked thoroughly with Dr. Ruge this morning, and he's had no, uh, <laughs> no patients suffered from AIDS or whatever it is. doesn't have gay plague. Is that what you're saying? No, didn't say that. Didn't say that. I thought I heard you on the State Department over there. Why do you stay over there? <laughs> because I love you. Oh, I see. Well, I, let's don't put it in those terms, Lester. 
What you're hearing there, of course, is laughter and indifference. And it only gets worse. That was Reagan's Deputy Press Secretary, Larry Speaks, laughing off questions being put to him by Lester Kinsolving. You can watch that video at thescene.com. Search for Watch the Reagan Administration's Shocking Lack of Response to the AIDS Crisis. And it really only gets worse from there. That first clip that we played you was from 1982 when nearly 1,000 people were dead. You can hear... The same reporter asked the same deputy press secretary three years later, 1985, when more than 4,000 Americans were dead and get the exact same response. Literally asks him, is the president concerned? Is the president going to do anything about HIV AIDS? And the deputy press secretary says, nope, the president isn't concerned, actually hasn't spoken to the president about it. Ronald Reagan, president of the United States, wouldn't say the word AIDS in public until 1986 when more than 16,000 Americans were dead. And Ronald Reagan wouldn't give a speech on AIDS until 1987 when more than 40,000 Americans had died of HIV AIDS. Nancy Reagan sat there by Ronald's side that entire time with her mouth clamped fucking shut. Teen Vogue of all publications, Teen Vogue came out with a piece earlier in the week unpacking Nancy Reagan's complicity and her silence and her uselessness during the HIV AIDS epidemic. You can go to teenvogue.com and search for former first lady Nancy Reagan watched thousands of LGBTQ people die of AIDS by Polly Mosens. Here's why I'm thanking Hillary Clinton, instead of ranting at Hillary Clinton, for crediting Ronald and Nancy Reagan with being really the nation's first HIV AIDS activists, which they were not, despite how offensive and hurtful those comments were. Because Friday, when Hillary Clinton made those remarks, Friday was Nancy Reagan's funeral. And you are not allowed to speak ill of the dead on the day of their funeral. You're really not allowed to speak ill of the dead the day they die or for, I don't know, some preset period of time. That's why when Antonin Scalia dropped dead a couple weeks ago, I tweeted out, I shall maintain a respectful and dignified silence because I had nothing upbeat to say. And yet, on the day of Nancy Reagan's funeral, because of Hillary Clinton's comments, this story exploded all over the world. We were reminded by The Guardian, by the BBC, by the New York Times, by National Public Radio, by the Seattle Times, by every goddamn blog and blogger in the country, just how useless and silent and homicidal the Reagans were during the HIV-AIDS epidemic. We were not allowed, particularly gay people, to speak ill of the dead, particularly on the day of the dead's funeral, but we were able to not speak ill of the dead, but speak accurately of the dead. On the day of Nancy Reagan's funeral, thanks to Hillary Clinton, shoving her foot, ankle, shin, knee, thigh, and the rest of herself into her mouth by saying that Nancy and Ronald Reagan had started a national conversation about HIV AIDS when they had not, when they had done literally nothing as tens of thousands of Americans sickened and died. Hillary Clinton on Friday issued a statement apologizing for misspeaking, and a lot of us said that's not good enough. It wasn't quite misspeak. It was lie, and we needed more, and we got more over the weekend. Hillary Clinton published a piece at Medium.com on the fight against HIV-AIDS and the people who really started the conversation, where she credits the people who really did start the conversation. And I quote, To be clear, the Reagans did not start a national conversation about HIV and AIDS, Clinton wrote. 
That distinction belongs to generations of brave, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people, along with straight allies, who started not just a conversation, but a movement that continues to this day. The AIDS crisis in America began as a quiet, deadly epidemic because of discrimination and disregard and hatred and laughter. It remained that way for far too long. So I'm sorry to disappoint you, Jake 2K. Although I am ranting about this subject, I am not ranting at Hillary Clinton. Apology accepted. And epic troll, intentional or not. It was an epic moment of worldwide trolling. Thank you, Hillary Clinton, for putting your foot in your mouth. Thank you, Hillary Clinton, for crediting to Nancy Reagan, something she never did, because we spent the entire day of her funeral screaming and yelling. The whole world spent the entire day of Nancy Reagan's funeral not remembering the White House China, not remembering her sitting on Mr. T's lap, not really remembering Just Say No to Drugs, not remembering the psychics that she brought into the White House to advise the president. Imagine if Michelle Obama did something like that. Not remembering how Nancy Reagan returned style and glamour and Hollywood to the White House. Not remembering any of that. Just remembering Nancy Reagan's and Ronald Reagan's failure to give a shit about dying and dead Americans because they happened to be gay or IV drug users. So thank you, Hillary Clinton. All right, before we get to today's show, and we've got a great show for you today with some amazing and upbeat guests, a quick programming note. A couple weeks ago, I ranted at the top of the show in defense of Hillary Clinton on the subject of marriage equality. Yeah, it took her longer than many to come around, but she came around. And I was attacked by many people who support Bernie for... Defending Hillary. I must be in the tank for Hillary. And on Friday, I posted something to my blog attacking Hillary Clinton for what the fuck she just said about HIV AIDS. That's where my rant was. There was no thank you in that post. And I was attacked by Hillary Clinton supporters and accused of being in the tank for Bernie. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am bi-tanctual. I am for Hillary or Bernie or both. I am in both tanks. And I tell you what, Just a quick message to rabid supporters of Hillary Clinton and rabid supporters of Bernie Sanders. I am on your sides, plural. You guys go out there and let's do this primary and do those caucuses and we'll settle on a nominee. And then whoever gets picked, I am going to write that motherfucker a check and I am going to vote for that motherfucker. Is it a deal? I am on the side of the Democratic nominee, whoever that person is, as I hope all of you will be in the end. No more of this, if it's Bernie, I'm not voting. If it's Hillary, I'm not voting. For fuck's sake, not voting this November because your guy or your gal didn't get the nomination means voting for Donald Trump or Ted Cruz. Wake the fuck up. We've got two good Democrats running. One may be the pure lefty, but we got two good Democrats running. And the lesser evil is always less fucking evil. Vote for the lesser evil in the primary, and then vote for the lesser evil in the general. All right, coming up on today's show, we have a very special treat for you. Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson from Broad City on Comedy Central are in the podcast studio to take your questions with me and give you advice there on the micro and the magnum this week, plus more calls with just me. Dan, what is the proper etiquette for a dick pic with an STI on it. Are you supposed to tell the person they have something? Is that going over the line? I've been talking to this guy for like a week, mound tender. I haven't met him yet, but um, yeah, he says a new pick with some stuff going on. And I don't want to humiliate him. I don't know if it's any of my business, but should I tell him? 
for his own good. If he's sending a picture with something on it, maybe he doesn't realize. Maybe he doesn't realize he has an STD or an STI, or maybe he doesn't have an STD or an STI before you send him a note saying, hey, you might want to pop on down to Planned Parenthood or go see your doctor about that sexually transmitted infection all over your dick. You might want to Google pearly penile papules, a harmless variation naturally occurring in a large percentage of men. These penile papules look like little spines or raised bumps, and some people mistake them for HPV infection, which they are not, is a natural occurring variation, which, according to you, Wikipedia, occur in 33.3% of uncircumcised males and 7.1% of circumcised males. Advantage, if you want to avoid penile papules, to the cut guys here. But it is not an STI. If you go online and you search penile papules, you will see a whole bunch of pictures of what they look like. Guys who have this condition are often shamed for it or they feel ashamed of it or they're told that they must have a sexually transmitted infection when somebody encounters a penis with this variation for the first time. He doesn't need to hear that. If this was indeed a solicited dick pic, a welcomed dick pic, do your due diligence before you bark back at him that he has sexually transmitted infection because he might not. But if you Google it and it isn't penile papules, if what you're looking at is perhaps a large and weeping syphilitic sore, indeed, it would be the neighborly good citizen thing to do to send him a note. Hey, Dan, I have a question about what's best for kids during a breakup. My ex-boyfriend and I were together for six years. He has a beautiful daughter who's now nine. I've known her since she was three, and we lived together for the last few years of our relationship. She lived with us half the time and with her mom half the time. So I had a part-time parental role with her, and we were really close. He and I broke up over a year ago, and I've stayed in touch with her, writing letters, talking on the phone every so often, coming back to visit a couple of times in the past year, et cetera. Now, though, my ex-boyfriend is saying that he doesn't want me in their lives anymore and that it's best for her if I completely disappear from her life and that she'll forget about me with time. So I want to respect his needs and feelings and experience as a parent, but I really just don't agree with him. I don't agree that what's best for her is to intentionally separate her from an adult that she loves who loves her back. The only way this request makes sense to me is that he's hurt, he wishes we were still together, which he has said, and he wants to have some ounce of control in this situation, so this is how he's finding it. My question for you is, what do you think is best for his daughter? Should I get over it and accept that she isn't a part of my life anymore and that this is just part of he and I breaking up? Or should I push back and continue to be a positive and loving person in her life? I know her and my relationship looks different now than how it did when he and I were together, but in my opinion, it's better for her to be able to develop a new relationship with me rather than just have me disappear altogether from her life. What's your opinion, Dan? This seems like a terribly shitty thing for your ex-partner to do, not to you, but to his kid. To cut his kid off from a loving adult who is a huge part of her life, a part of the entire life that she can remember since age three, just seems vindictive and cruel. And if he's indeed doing it to you because he's angry about the relationship ending, it's just such a shitty bank shot, quasi-abusive thing he's doing to his daughter in the end, and a futile thing he's doing to his daughter in the end. She's nine years old. She's, what, a year or two away, maybe two and a half years away from being on social media if she's not already on social media, and she will find you 
she will reach out to you via social media and you two will be in contact and she will be the instigator of that contact potentially. I don't think what he's doing is fair to her. I don't think it's fair to you. He may have a legal right to do it, but morally, ethically, I just think this is shitty in the extreme. And if I were in your shoes, I might counter with this isn't fair. It's not punishing me. It's punishing her. You don't rip people out of children's lives like this. I had a parental authority figure role in her life. And if I should just disappear, it makes me look like I abandoned her. That said, I will dial back the contact if it makes you uncomfortable. I will write her a letter a couple of times a year. I won't visit in person, but I'm not just going to disappear because that's bad for kids. And one day when you're not so angry at me, you will see that it would have been bad for her for me just to disappear. And then see what he says. I'm also curious what this girl's mother has to say about this situation, whether she wants you in her daughter's life. It might be good if you and the ex were on speaking terms or friendly terms, hopefully, if everyone was being an adult during this relationship, you doubtless had contact with this girl's mother, your ex-partner's other ex-partner, about pickup times and drop-off times and logistics and school. You must have had contact with this girl's mother over the years, over the six years that you were together with her ex-partner, now your ex-partner, about schooling, about pickups, about food, about extracurricular activities, whatever it was, you must have been in contact with her. And I'm curious, you don't mention her, and I find myself curious what kind of a relationship you have with her, because your ex is not this kid's only parent. And if it pains this girl for you to disappear, her mother might have something to say about it too. And her mother has a say in it as well, not just your ex. Hi, Dan. I am a 32-year-old female. I live in the Southeast. Um, my question is actually not about me. I have a question about my nanny and her sex life or dating life. So I have a live-in nanny. My husband and I, we have two children. The nanny lives with us. She's fantastic. We love her work with the kids. Um, when she's off work, she goes online and dates online on numerous websites, um, and my question is this. So her dates have been picking her up at our house. Um, and these are people that I don't think she's met before. I can't confirm that um, because, again, I'm not trying to pry into her sex life or her dating life. And my question is, is it okay to ask her to maybe go have the, meet the guy for coffee and not bring him, into a, bring him to our front door? She lives with us. I don't really want to get involved in her online dating. Um, I'm happy that she's online dating. I think that's wonderful. It's great to have a half. I want my nanny to, you know, have a wonderful life. I just, I don't really, I don't know how to have the conversation. Do I ask her, hey, do you know these guys? They're coming to our house. They know our address. Our kids live here. Is that my place to kind of drill down into that? Again, I don't want her to feel like I'm saying, you know, in your time off, you can't go out and date because that's not what I'm saying. So is it okay to approach her? And what's maybe some tips on how to do that so it's not coming across? Like I'm saying, don't online date. Uh, I just want to kind of protect my family. Is this crazy? You're 32 years old, and I'm guessing your nanny is significantly younger than you are and less worldly wise and less established than you are. And as she is playing a maternal role in the lives of your children, you can play a maternal role in her life. You can, you should, you must go to her and acquaint her with online dating best practices which include not inviting people you've only had contact with online to your home, 
even if she didn't live with you, even if it wasn't your home, your address, the place where you and your children live, she shouldn't be inviting men off the internet to come and pick her up at her residence because you don't know who these men are. That internet dating, online dating, NSA, whatevering best practices include meeting somebody for the first time in public, not at your home, because you need to get a feel for that person before you entrust them with your details, including exactly where the fuck you live, because the last thing you want is some angry stalker psycho showing up at your house at three o'clock in the morning and making a scene or breaking in or whatever. So yeah, mom, go talk to your nanny about what she's doing. And maybe what you're going to hear is, oh yeah, I always meet them out first. That anybody who comes to the house and picks me up is somebody that I've hooked up with or hung out with or been on a few dates with. Yeah, oh yeah, thanks for checking in. But yeah, those guys who come to pick me up at the house, known quantities. But even on the off chance that these are unknown quantities she's inviting over to the house to pick her up, you have to go in there and have a conversation with your nanny about what is and isn't permissible while she's in your employ and living in your home and what is and isn't advisable wherever she's living now or in the future when it comes to online dating. Online dating best practices, meet in public that first time, not at your home, no home addresses. Hey, Dan, I'm a tech savvy at rescue. Uh, I'm a mid-20s gay guy living in the Midwest. Uh, so I'm in a situation where I just had uh, my first uh, incident of group sex, and it was really fun and really hot, and, but I was worried going in about being identified uh, because I didn't know anything about uh, the group that much. Uh, so I did tell them a fake name. Uh, so now that I enjoyed it and I might want to go back, I was wondering, should I correct the name? Should I use, like, should I continue using the fake name? Doesn't matter. Uh, let me know what you think. If this group of guys is as good and fun and trustworthy as you believe them to be or have come to know them to be, I'm sure they'll understand why you used a nom de anonymous cocksucking the first time you hung out. Your nom de plume or nom de plummet to your knees or whatever it is, whatever word name you gave them. There's no time like the present to say, my real name is blank. My hookup name is what I told you before. And I can't imagine they'll freak out about it. And the odds that one or two of them might out themselves at that moment as having been at these orgies under a nom to plummet to their knees of their own are pretty high. Hi, Dan and the tech savvy at rescues. Late 20-something living in a large city out west here. I've been dating a new guy for about a month now, and things are going great. We've been spending a lot of time together, and we're really crazy about each other. Uh, on our third date, he mentioned to me he had a fetish. And last night, after sex and a couple of cocktails, he confessed to me that he likes having pies and cake smashed in his face during foreplay. I like to think of myself as a very open-minded person and open to trying new things, and I acted like this was totally normal. But to be honest, I was a bit taken aback. I've never even heard of this fetish, and personally, I don't find the prospect of smashing him in the face with a pie sexy at all. Uh, I've tried to do some research today to get a better understanding, and I ended up in the depths of Reddit and now just even more confused. Is this a humiliation fetish? He's the dominant and aggressive partner in bed. I also read that these types of fetishes can form during childhood. 
He mentioned that he thought he watched too much of a certain TV show as a kid that I wasn't familiar with, but it sounds like it's a game show that involved getting hit in the face with a pie. I really can see this relationship developing into something serious, and I want him to feel comfortable sharing his fantasies with me, and I want to be able to act those out with him as well. Can you help explain this to me so I can have a better understanding? Do you need a better understanding? Then it turns him on. I mean, it's admirable, it's commendable that you're doing your due diligence, that you're doing your research, but I'm not sure I can come up with an explanation that's going to make you more comfortable with this than the explanations you've already run across. Maybe there's a humiliation component. Maybe he's generally the aggressor in bed, but every once in a while he likes to have the tables turned. Maybe the aggressive act of smashing a pie in his face, he will then meet with passion and aggression of his own that then you will benefit from, although you might get some cherry pie filling on you in the process. Who knows? It's in the dialogue with him where you're going to get to the bottom of why exactly this turns him on and how exactly this can be incorporated into sex that you will enjoy too. Because as he said, this is something he enjoys as a part of foreplay. It's not the whole point. It's not all he wants to do. He doesn't want to stand there and be hit with pies over and over and over again until he ejaculates. He wants to, during foreplay, engage in what some people would call goop or wet and messy fetish, which can involve baked beans or just marshmallow fluff or peanut butter or whatever, where they just smear themselves with gunk. And some people it is pies. And his explanation, what he's identified as perhaps the root of this fetish, the exposure to this TV show where people got hit in the face with pies, that actually bears out. That could be what done it. You might want to pick up and read Perv by Jesse Baring, Perv the Sexual Deviant in All of Us, where he talks at great length about the roots of what can seem in some cases to be odd and peculiar and very unique sexual obsessions or interests or fetishes or kinks. He cites the example of somebody who's turned on by rubber swim caps. And he had this sensual experience that he recalls in early childhood with a rubber swim cap that belonged to a female relative. So it had that opposite sex juju power all over it. And it was exotic and different and not for boys and not for him. And it was for adult women. And he just found it very sensuous, the feel of it and the look of it and a lifelong completely harmless, easily incorporated into all sorts of sexual scenarios, kink was born. And this kink, your boyfriend's kink, less easily incorporated, logistically sets the bar a bit higher because it's going to make a big mess and you have to have pies and cakes on hand. So I can't imagine it's something he's going to want to do every time. But once in a while, pull out the plastic sheeting, lay it down in a room and go for it. And even if it itself doesn't turn you on, how turned on he is by it, that could turn you on. Or the reaction it elicits from him after the pieing and mess is over, the, the passion, the aggression, if he's typically the aggressor, if it draws out of him other things about him sexually and erotically that you enjoy, there will be a benefit to you in this. I'm going to plug one more book, The Commitment by Dan Savage, Love, Sex, Marriage, and My Family, being the subtitle. I love those long subtitles. There is a chapter in there where I write about someone with your boyfriend's very kink, particularly a birthday cake fetish, liked having birthday cakes smashed in his face. If you want to read more about guys like your boyfriend, pick up The Commitment. Hey, Dan. This is a mid-20s gay guy living on the West Coast. I had a relatively simple question for you, I suppose. I've been in a relationship with a for a couple of years with a really great guy, and uh, he's a little bit older than me. 
but he came out fairly recently, only a few months before we started dating. And because of that, with the exception of Burning Man one year that we went to together, I'm the only guy he's ever slept with. And I just kind of realized that I had my slutty phase. I came out a lot younger when I you know, had sex with a lot of guys in college. And, you know, I just feel kind of badly. Things are getting more serious now. I think generally we're pretty monogamous. And I, I just feel badly that he doesn't have those experiences. And so I guess my question is, um, you know, since we're both pretty career oriented and fairly busy people, this doesn't really seem to be very high on his priority list, but I would like him to have some other experiences. Um, is it selfish of me to kind of press this issue? Am I kind of opening a Pandora's box by suggesting, oh, maybe, you know, we bring in a third a couple of times just so you have some variety in your repertoire. I just would feel a little weird being with someone for the rest of my life that never had those opportunities. So what does your boyfriend say? Does he miss all the cock he missed out on or is it just you missing out on the cock for him? So I think it's, I've thought about it a little bit more and I think it's a little bit more the latter. I think I, I kind of, you know, I, I think he does miss out on it a little bit. Um, he does wonder. But, you know, because when I, yeah, he wonders and why does it make you so? Why does it make you insecure? That's what I don't understand. Is it that you don't think <laughs> yeah. he, you know, has comparison has enough, has anything to compare you to? So you you doubt why he chose you? That you don't I think feel that's a little bit of it. I I, I feel I feel like you know it, it's it's sort of like when you go to a, a new restaurant and, and you see, you look, flip through the menu and you pick something that you like and then you have that sandwich and you really, really like it. Mm-hmm. But then you keep going back and you never get another sandwich ever again. And you're like, well, but I, this is the one that I want to eat for the rest of my life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of feel like, how does, how does he really know that? It, it definitely is coming more from me. Yeah. Sounds like than it. From him. <laughs> yeah. And you've been, enough, yeah, you've, and been I, I, you've been with plenty of guys and you're like, he's the best or close enough, right? He's, he's I, awesome. So, oh yeah. I, well, I remember after I hooked up with him, I went to, to my friend afterwards and I, I swear to God, I told him I can now check off sleeping with a regulation hottie off my list. Like <laughs> I, I like, even if that's all it was, I was just like, wow, that was incredible. And, and you feel like he can't he say the that. same because he doesn't have as large a frame of reference as you do. Yeah, I, I wonder about that. And you worry that you know? if sometime down the road you should open it up or start having three ways, that he's going to get in bed with one other guy who might be a little hotter than you and go, oh, my God, exactly. and then want to trade you in. Exactly. Or he'll know, <laughs> yeah, he'll know what he's missing out. And it's a little bit of that. And and, and I realize how ridiculous it sounds. And I've I've listened to you long enough to know that that you, you know, should take yes for an answer when yes is on the table. <laughs> yeah, that and the fact that, you know, if, if we do go through with these three ways, then he may, you know, end up with like a little crush or something. And absolutely. That if he, and that that's okay. Right. When you've begged him to fuck other guys, what does he tell you? <laughs> um, basically, he's like, yeah, we should. Yeah, we should get around for that sometime. Like, you know, he just kind of, but, but, you know, it just kind of fizzles and we don't talk about it again. Okay, well, just so here's my busy. advice. You've laid down your marker. You've let him know 
that should a time come when he wants to suck some other boy's dick, have yeah. sex with somebody else, and not only have sex with you for the rest of his life, that you are open to that, that that, that can be accommodated. Yeah. And so the ball's yeah, in his yeah. court. I made that clear. Okay, the ball's in his court. So when that time comes, just keep the, you know, it doesn't mean never bring it up ever again. Like he said, he might want to have a sexual adventure with you sometime, maybe have a three way. If you're out and there's some hot guy who flirted with you or flirted with him, you could say, maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the guy. Maybe not tonight, but we could get his number if you want. And just check in with him every once in a great while so you don't look like Ahab and the white whale is your boyfriend getting fucked by some other guy. You don't, you don't want to look crazy, even though you are a little bit crazy. We're all a little bit crazy. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But sort of like regular yeah. check-ins with him about it and, and then let – I don't want to say sleeping dogs lie doesn't really work here because it's more like let cock-sucking boyfriends suck. Let him suck your dick. <laughs> and he's happy yeah, sucking you know, your dick. I, yeah, totally. And I think I think one of the biggest things is just that he comes from – not conservative in the political sense, but just kind of a more – um, just, I don't know, just socially conservative backgrounds and, and, uh, from his family, he's very kind of proper. He has like, a, there's a certain way of doing things. And so while he's, you know, you know, sexually liberated in, in like a general sense, he's totally fine being gay and everything like that. But mm -hmm. I do think like this concept, while he's okay with it in principle, I think he just needs a little bit of smooching and reminding him that really like i'm okay with it he really needs to be reminded that is is, is kind of I've but there's a this, there's a point past which assuring someone that you are okay with something looks like you bullying someone into doing that thing <laughs> and you don't want to you don't want to reach that point maybe you are the only guy he's ever going to sleep with and that's okay differences can make a relationship stronger that you were a slut in college in the sex empowered, you know, the, the sex positive empowered sense of the term. I was a slut too. We were all sluts once upon a time. Some of us are sluts still. And that's awesome. But that you had a slutty phase and he didn't doesn't mean he did gay wrong. He doesn't have to be exactly the same as you and have had the same experiences as you to choose you. So right. let him choose you. Don't, don't make him think you're crazy or trying to pass him off to another guy. And let let the differences be different. Like you have more experience than he does, and maybe that's something he finds attractive about you, but he doesn't feel any sort of need or desire to have as many experiences or even other experiences himself. And that can be okay. And those differences that we, you know, those chasms we peer across when we look at our partners can actually make sex hot and keep it hot. You don't want to be exactly the same and have had exactly the same experiences in life. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think that's exactly it. And he also tells me like he's slept with women before. So it's not like I'm the only person that he's ever had experiences with. And and he says and he tells me not to discount that so quickly. And so maybe maybe I'm kind of subconsciously doing that, uh, doing that to him a bit. Uh, but, but yeah, no, that's that's that, I think you're I think you're right on the dot there. Good, uh, good cool. luck. I predict though Thank that you. you guys will have a three way in the future. But you should be. Uh, how, how long have you been with your boyfriend? Uh, two and a half years now. Give it two and a half or five ish more years, and who knows what'll come up. An opportunity will present itself as long as you're easy breezy and casual about it. You're not demanding he go out and suck some other dick to prove that your dick is the one he wants over all the other dicks he's had in the world. <laughs> and so long as it's just this 
sort of blank check you've written him. Like if there's ever a time comes when you want to cash this, the bank is open. But if you never cash it, that's fine too. And then drop it. Except when those moments arise where you're like, maybe this is it. Or maybe he'll say, maybe this is it. Or maybe yeah. he won't. And that's okay too. All right. All right. Sounds, sounds like a plan. I'll definitely play this. I'll definitely play this call to him. <laughs> and tell him I said <laughs> hi. I will. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Hey, you guys, we've already gotten off the line with the previous caller, and this just popped into my head. I love gay guys, which is convenient because I'm a gay guy, but I get so many calls from straight dudes who are in a panic because their girlfriends or their wives have had sex with too many people. And I get a call today from a gay guy who's in a panic because his boyfriend hasn't had sex with any other people. I think there's something to that. I think maybe science, maybe the sex researchers who listen to this show should investigate that phenomenon. It's, it's sort of the opposite of the Madonna whore complex. Not how can I love someone who's been such a whore, but how can I love someone who hasn't been as much of a whore as I've been? Gay men. God bless them. I love them. Hey, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old straight female from Seattle, and I just want to tell you a little story. So, for background, about four months ago, I went to a spiritual and sexual awakening, and I had sex for the first time via OkCupid, and it was amazing. So, since then, I've really gotten into exploring, um, and I've had about 15 different partners, and I'm having so much fun, and I'm just rapidly wanting to try everything. So, the brilliant show, Broad City, turned me on to something new, um, pegging. <laughs> so... Out of the blue, a guy on OKC looking to get pegged reached out to me to propose a pegging, uh, like, date. We had a good flirty talk about it. He answered all my questions, and I got excited about it. However, the afternoon of, I started my period, and I thought that it would be thoughtful, not knowing, like, the full extent of what we were really planning on doing, to let him know in case we should reschedule. He was surprised to hear my info stating, oh, I didn't know you wanted to have sex. I guess my question is, was that my bad? I'm feeling kind of embarrassed about it. And it's not like I feel like I overstepped any major boundaries. I've just gotten so used to internet hookups, the intensity of them, that I might have just assumed that more was involved in the proposal than what actually was. And I'm just curious about your take. All right, joining me in the studio here in Seattle to help answer this question, Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson from Broad City. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good to have you both. I'm such a huge fan of the show. I'm blushing. I can't even tell you. I'm so excited. We're so so stoked. But enough about you two. Let's get down to this caller's question. Okay. Okay, So, like, what did she do wrong here, or did she do anything wrong? We couldn't even hear in the studio. Couldn't even fully listen to the question because we had to make sure we were all on the same page. Can you restate what I believe the truth is? <laughs> she met somebody on OkCupid who negotiated a pegging scene with her, and she was inspired to go for it by your show. That's you, so amazing. You introduced her to pegging. That's so awesome. It that is, is like, awesome. Also, that's the coolest good, girl good I ever you. heard what in my damn life. What a baller. What a baller. <laughs> she just had sex. Oh, almost. But she's, you know what? She had sex for the first time. think of this as a positive. Absolutely. Maybe she saved herself a... a but what a Cause, cool... Because I think she did. She dodged a bullet because yeah, she, she called him to let him know or let him know via email. She began to have her period when they were supposed to have their date to peg him. And she's like, just so you know, I'm having my period. So if anything else was going to happen, 
not going to happen there. Not that there's anything wrong with period sex, or so I'm told. And he got all like miffed and freaked yeah, out so and confused. butthurt without but, having been but, pegged. Butthurt. <laughs> because how dare she assume that he might want to pay any attention to her vag during this encounter. But also don't, um, you know, those like strap-ons also have like clit and pussy stuff on the in like for the woman who straps it on so there's also field where there's the insertable that's what i mean that can go up into the woman and then and then you use it so there's so outside yeah Yeah. um and i guess you certainly could use it with your period but i mean i don't know like the first time you're like meeting someone and like pegging them i don't know makes total sense what she did totally makes sense that um double-sided dildo i would assume that like, oh, we're going to be, I don't know what I'm stepping into. Yeah, we're going to peg, but we might also. We're not shaking hands and I'm inserting. Down. Like, I always, assume, I'm I'm a big believer in giving and getting. Mm-hmm. And getting and getting. Yeah. Like, you both get off. Sex. So it's like you're not going to. I w- she was totally in the right to be. She was being courteous. Being like, hey, I just want. I'm not sure if should we reschedule. This falls, like a rain date. <laughs> this falls for me under the rubric of you told him one thing about you and he told you everything you needed to know about him. Yeah. You right. told him you're having a period and right. he told you he was someone you did not want to be alone yeah. in the room. You know when straight guys are like weirded out by periods? We've had a few. I'm like, I, I don't know if it's your sexuality or if it's your neuroses, but it is fucking weird. I That's think, weird. Um, to me. Straight dudes or do anyone that doesn't get a period should have to like know everything yeah. about a period. And you should have to be like up close and Remember personal. what straight dudes used to do <laughs> millennia ago? They used to send women who having their periods off to a hut for the entire yeah. time. You had to like go yeah. the fuck away. I, and I'm not saying that like every straight guy has to dive into like a bloody period pussy. I'm just like, it's just so weird when it's like, no thanks. It's like, no thanks. How'd you get here? Yeah, this How did is you get nature here? at its finest. Like, yeah. There's not that much nature going on anymore these days. That's <laughs> it. And we all need more like iron in our diets. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Except me. So that was <laughs> right. So that was. I, I don't know. I think. Um, I think this young lady. First of all, congratulations. Spiritual sexual awakening. You sound like you've found a, a new facet of. She found She's a new inspiring. facet of her life. I'm inspiring me. Me too. I'm, I'm like. like <laughs> so reciprocity. What is it? Okay, yeah. <laughs> you guys just came out of reciprocity, and here's reciprocity. You inspired her mm-hmm. to get into pegging, right. and now she's inspired you That's to exactly get right. into pegging. Get into, <laughs> get into pegging and just have more sex. How incredible. Can we keep you for a few more questions? Yeah. Oh, my God. Please. But before we go to the next question, I have a question. Please. I've been doing a lot of writing over the last couple of weeks about Blumpkins. And I have been saying over and over again that they're <laughs> mythical, that they never happen in the real world, that they don't exist, and that the whole meme is sexist because it's always a woman going down on a man while he takes a stinky shit and never the Disgusting. opposite. Never a, gr- a girl with her boyfriend going down on her while she's taking a shit. And then after literally after writing this for two weeks, after in- kicking off this shit storm, <laughs> literally in my column and on the blog, I sit down stoned to watch – the season premiere, Good. and there's this montage, where isn't the bathroom, of your you guys, Alana and Abby, in their bathrooms, and it looks like a year goes by of incident, and there are two Blumpkins. One mm. cliche Blumpkin, a woman going down on a guy, and one a guy going down on a girl, just completely blowing my position. I like want to keep the myth up, but we got to be for real. We Okay, so well, first of all, before we even address that, I will say that we are often... We are very conscious of just just the just the statistics of 
women going down on men in TV and media and whatever. Like that's just like that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So we show a lot more men go like we men used to go talk down about, on our characters so much. We used to talk about get like doing a supercut of uh, we still should of every guy like lowering to eat us out because we have like so many and it's like so <laughs> rare on TV and it's just like you know the in broad city like pussies get eaten whatever whatever yeah but um this year for the first time you see one of uh, i go down on two dudes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah oh yeah, shit we have three going down <laughs> on dudes we we like loosened up we our like our ice boxes shit. this year <laughs> we were like okay we like All do right. love dick so fine so and then we've come to this thing we are idiots i know <laughs> we because it's not it's not meant to be a blumpkin it's meant to just be in the bathroom and and while filming it was closed the toilets are closed mm-hmm. because i these do believe these were these were closed the camera didn't move and this montage took place in the bathroom so we were like oh alana would be having more sex in every place in her apartment so you would see more sex going on in the bathroom mm-hmm. And then when it aired, I think we were both like, oh, oh no, when we saw it in I the think cut, that, in the Yeah, I think that oh. – I do believe Blumpkins are mythical. The toilet was closed. We just thought that it was just like, oh – Bathroom sets. Yeah, yeah, which like I'm not even hugely into anyway. But I do I do have to say I, – I think it's mythical. I think it's it, – it's, I'm not into it. So I saw the Blumpkin that wasn't there because I've been writing about it. I brought no, Blumpkin if you, to No, it. it's very – it's – it Have other people like it's said a bumpkin. Bumpkins? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. in articles. It looks exactly like a bumpkin. <laughs> the only tiny detail is that if you care to look at whether the toilet seat is up or down, it's down. It's like closed. Yeah. And so that like, would be a disaster of a bumpkin right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that'd be it's so gross. That would be an amateur yes, bumpkin. Yeah, yeah. I did just have to like say this thought. While it is sexist, like a woman, like as though any body a woman or man wants to suck a dick while somebody's taking a shit there is the barrier of the balls where vice versa it's like so right there mm-hmm. for a woman that it, it is like it pussies are great but it is a little grosser i think because to perform a blumpkin on a woman very, yeah because oh, there's, there's like no, a there's wall no of balls there's no scrim yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scrotal yeah. scrim no that's going to there's like a like a <laughs> when, you, when you bowl what is the thing you put up when Gutter. you're a kid so oh, the bumpers. bumpers. Yeah, bumpers. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wait, speaking of all is, the people... Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, of course. So that's a blumpkin. What is it when someone is... When people are just having sex and someone's taking a shit? Like when the... What? I think that's just called an accident. Or that's a scat. A, because yeah, I, have, I have talked to... Someone, someone has told me that they want to do that. That's not a blumpkin. No, that's scat. They want to have yes. sex and and, and, poop? Sh- and incorporate shit. We're into like it. the dude is fucking. What's that called? Aren't these all called like cr- crazy? The dude is fucking the girl and then he poops. Yeah. I don't know. That's not one I of those things. Know. And scat I've people. Heard it called, is I've so heard it called the monkey <laughs> tail. <laughs> Nancy loves it. I we'll put mo- it the monkey show. tail. I I don't know. I it's. But it's one of those things that people talk about, but people don't do. I don't. I think, think so. I, I I believe what you're saying is true. That they talk about it and don't do it. But the Blumkin thing is sexist because it's always – even the definitions you see where it's not specifically gendered, as I pointed out in my column, where it says somebody goes down on somebody while they take a shit. The example then in usage is always a woman going down yeah. on a man. It's like always. gerbling. 
Anybody right. can stuff a gerbil in their ass, but when they talk about it, it's always gay men doing it. Right. Everybody is assholes. Anybody can go to right. a pet store. Right, 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 Anybody right. can take a paper towel to Everybody's butthole feels good or whatever. But, right. But gay men, they can't keep those gerbils out of their, <laughs> out of their fucking asses. assholes. So any discussion break. of gerbling is, I think, homophobic. Right. right. Although you can be funny about gerbils. Right, right, You can make right, a funny right. joke about something that's homophobic. It can I be funny like, about blumpkins, but blumpkins are fucking sexist. I feel like right. gerbling, which I haven't heard of in a while, I haven't heard that term in a while, is probably... I'm going to say it's probably mostly straight dudes doing it. I don't think anybody's doing That's it. another thing where I'm if like, it it's was, a myth. And I don't know why I'm, I think it is a myth. The thing but was, I'm like, like I, how did that get put on gay dudes? I know. We have dicks like, to shove I, in each other's I'm asses. like, what we are we doing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm also, like, like kill a fucking gerbil for your butt play. And it's anybody nuts. who believes in gerbling also believes that gay men are swishy and effeminate and scared right. little girls. Right. Not that girls are little and scared. Who, but if you read, if you think about how you have to gerbil, you have to knock their teeth out with pliers. You're supposed to cut their legs off so they don't claw apart your innards. Ew. So this like little like effeminate, swishy, yeah, terrified right. is going to knock the teeth out of a rodent what? with a hammer. Oh my! It's I just nuts. Not I, I think more people have to just have more sex rather than not having sex and making up blumpkins and gerbling. I agree. There's something I have to ask you about. You guys brought up all the sex scenes. You guys get to cast. Those scenes. And I just want to say, Tina Fey in 30 Rock cast James Marsden as her boyfriend. Lena Dunham cast Adam Driver as her boyfriend. Amy Schumer in Trainwreck gets John Cena. And then Ezra Miller, too. Yeah. And then, I'm sorry, Abby Jacobson, Steven Schneider, totally hot. And Laura Glazer, Hannibal Burris, the Cosby Slayer. (laughs) Sexy as fuck. But then Luke Golden. I know. Golden, however you pronounce his name. Luke Golden. Right? Do you guys just like sort through actors' headshots yeah. until I mean, you yep. find the one? In yes, and we were all. But also, he was so I mean, to, to, perfectly. For people who haven't seen the episode, and everyone should go watch all of them. So <sighs> you're up to speed. Your your character gets with this guy who's insanely hot. Wants to go down on you for 45 minutes. Is thrilled to find that you don't shave down there. And he's by. He's by. The ultimate. <laughs> he's the ultimate guy. But there's a catch. You go to see his improv comedy class, and it's. Not so great. <laughs> yeah. But the guy, this guy, Luke, who plays yeah. the guy. Oh, he's please beautiful. Bring him back. Tara, actually, my husband wanted me to ask you to please bring Luke back. He's for so episode. funny and okay. such a good guy, too. He's so we sweet. We spent time with him when we filmed that. It was in season one. It's like episode five, I think. And he was like so fun. Yeah, we truly became friends with him. He's, yeah. he's great. I have a suggestion. Yeah. And I think this will work for your character. I should hook up. You should hook yeah, up I, with him I mean, without you knowing that she hooked up with him, without you knowing that she hooked up with him, and then that's an issue. Because straight people or people who are mostly straight have this issue around their friends hooking up with people they hooked up with too. Yes. I was yeah. just thinking about that wire. recently. I was just thinking about that because I feel like there's like rules for straight people. That we don't have the luxury. That straight people don't have the luxury of like the – or I, I think because there's like more rules set up. And then queer people, it's like, oh, it's just like under the fucking rug anyway. But like, there's not, there's, there's these like hard and fast rules for straight people and ownership over other people that Which I, is, I don't really do. There's so but many I, straight people. That's the difference. I there's know. so many straight people that you can say to your friends, you can't fuck anybody I fucked, and your friends can be like, all right, there's a million other people. There's percentage wise, so few of us, we can't be like, you can't fuck anybody I've ever fucked because we fuck so many people, A, that you won't be able to fuck anybody if you obey that rule. Uh, but otherwise, we're like, oh, you fucked Even my so, ex, just my like, trick, like, my, fine. my, He's on the side. How was he? I think he's great. We compare notes. We don't blow up at each other. But that's how I feel. But I'm just like happen to be in this world. I want Luke Golden back on the show. Luke has a beard now. What? Wow. Really? I got to check it out. I think it would be cool 
if Abby fucks him, gosh, what's the character's name? Who cares? Tyler. Uh, yeah, but also who cares if Abby fucks him and they're just chill about it. And we have like queer rules on this, what is like supposedly some straight world that we live in. That's a or, much You know what would mine. happen on the show? Alana would give would him see him to and you. be like, dude, you gotta fuck him. That's exactly right. That's don't exactly right. Don't talk to him and don't go to his show, but go fuck him yeah. right now. Yeah. Don't, and she would be like, do not bring up anything funny. Don't bring up don't anything he, he can Don't laugh on. at one don't thing talk. he says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. Keep his mouth really full loud. at yeah. all times <laughs> yeah. and don't go see his show. Done. Hi, Dan. I'm a 28-year-old heterosexual woman living in the Midwest. I'm calling because I've gone out with a guy four times now. I really like him. We have a really great connection so far, and I'm attracted to him. My only problem is that he has a beard with a really long mustache. I don't mind the beard, but the mustache gets in the way when we're making out and ultimately kills my interest in kissing him or doing anything else with him for very long. I know you'll tell me to use my words and tell him that it bothers me, but I'd like to know how to tactically do that. I've only gone out with him four times, so I don't know him that well, and I feel like I shouldn't dictate to him how to do his facial hair. I should also add that he's apparently had his beard for eight years, so I can't just ask him to shave it off. Please help. One of the things I love about your show, Ilana, Abby, you say shit to men without first wringing your hands for seven weeks about how to perfectly phrase it so as not to hurt his delicate right. little feet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> The calls we get is, I have this thing I have to say to my male partner from women. Thing right, I have to say right, to my right, male right. partner. But I'm afraid that it might hurt his feelings if I say it wrong or he might have a feeling. And da, 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 right. He might have a feeling. Yeah. That's right. And you two just. It's true. You're, that's right. So if this was your boyfriend with the shitty mustache that's in the way and unpleasant, what would you say? I mean, I get what she's saying where it's only four days. She's, she's probably like, well, fuck, how do I say this? But it's also. She is really into him, really attracted to him. It's nothing but complimentary that she wants to kiss him and wants to make that experience better. Terry. And complimentary. Com- com- complimentary. complimentary. <laughs> I thought you were working my husband. That's not like you. That's how, that's how you say it. That's how I that's can't, how I can't unsay like got- documentary. <laughs> and she always makes fun of me for how I say that. I just like got a little. Terry. <laughs> Nothing but compliment, so Terry. Funny. And then you went on. It's like, Terry. <laughs> you hear Terry and everywhere. I do. I do that. hear Terry everywhere I go. But I think what Abby's saying, what Where? she just said was perfect. It's like, I want to kiss you. I want to kiss you more. And I want I just, I need you to know that it's uncomfortable for me. Whether that means, it might not mean shaving it all off. It might mean like conditioning or Trimming. Trimming. Trimming is grooming. Fine. Get it. You know what I mean? Be like, oh, let's figure this out together because I'm into you. You People, can incentivize what's it. What's the worst? There's something I want you to trim, and in exchange, you tell me to trim something, and right. I'll trim that. Exactly. Make it sexy. Totally. Yeah. Hi, Dan. I am a 30-year-old straight married woman, and my question for you is about oral sex. I know I might be you know, strange, but I don't let my husband go down on me, and it's just because I feel so awkward, uncomfortable, self-conscious, etc. cetera. Um, I give him head all the time. I know he loves it, and so that's not an issue. Um, but he asks me a lot that he wants to go down on me, and I just, you know, I've let him a couple times, but I always just feel self-conscious about it. So I'm just wondering if you have any tips for us or for me, I guess, to get over this. And to be honest, I haven't really found that I our sex life is lacking. He gets me off in other ways, and you know, it's kind of like, well, we'll do other things instead. But I just am wondering maybe 
you know, I haven't had good enough oral sex to want it that bad, or if it's just one of those things and I just have to get over myself. I like her husband a lot. I like her husband too. It's nice that he keeps bringing it up because it's like for her. And if it's something he likes too, it's like, that's, that's nice to know that first of all. Yes. What do you say to a woman who's so self-conscious or uncomfortable with her own badge that she won't let the husband that she blows blow her back? I have like a couple thoughts of like, oh, things she could do. Like, and I'm just like making this up. I don't fucking know, but watch porn. That's my mind. Yeah, yeah. I'm (laughs) Yeah, I'm not like. I'm just making shit up. I don't know. But you've like done it enough that you've like become a sex educator with like working these muscles. I'm like making it up. Whatever. It doesn't matter. One thing I'm thinking, it's like just watch porn where girls are getting eaten out. Just get used to that image and like maybe it's like hot and watching the full thing and a girl comes from it and maybe that would be, maybe it would be like, oh, that looks so hot and you could picture yourself in that. Another thing is, like, maybe, like, in the mirror. I think it's, like, for some reason I'm just, like, visualizing it. Having him do it in the mirror and just, like – or them doing this in the mirror and just, like, seeing it. I don't know. Also, like, looking at her vagina in the mirror. I don't know. Whatever. But then the other thing, I'm, like, maybe she doesn't love getting head, too. And that's also okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once you run it to ground, like, figure out whether this is a hang-up or this is a right. preference. Right, Like, I don't like this because I don't like it. I don't like the sensations – or whatever that's that can be legit or i don't like this because i feel like because i've internalized negative messages about women's genitalia right, right. that's something you might want to work through yeah cuz she keeps saying she just feels self-conscious and it she doesn't say it feels like it's more that than actually not liking the sensation yeah it does feel more because self-conscious it feels like it's so in her in her head like this uncomfortableness doesn't actually feel like the physical uncomfortable it feels like the emotional uncomfortable I kind would of, also right? throw out as a suggestion a blindfold. Yeah. Which is a very Love. simple. You can close your eyes, but then you can open your eyes. But just to like not look at what's happening. Totally. Where you're not like looking at him or trying to read his face or trying right. to perceive how he's perceiving it. And you're not looking at him, look at your vagina right. that close up. That's you're just a like great call. sinking yeah. away into how it feels and not how you are being looked at or what you're looking oh, at. I yeah. love that. Freeing. I love that. Cause I'm like, look at it, look at it. But it's actually like, maybe don't look at it and no, just no, feel it. I agree with you. Like look at, get it, get it a mirror, do the Annie sprinkle thing. Look at your own cervix, check it out. The porn but too, for some point, reason, like, it's just like, we have this, like this endless reservoir of porn, you know, and it just might, you kids today. Yeah. <laughs> we had to fight for our porn. We had to shoplift. We had to like break into our older brother's rooms and steal kids today it's all handed to them i know phones it's gross it's gross where are you gonna learn those important life lessons like how to run from a 7-eleven yeah (laughs) (laughs) hi dan i am a 28 year old female um, from north carolina i've been with my boyfriend um, for almost four years and he's really wonderful he's the best partner i've ever had except for one problem he smokes way too much pot um, I personally started smoking pot when I was 17 and did so on a regular basis until I was about 21. Now I just smoke on a special occasion. He, on the other hand, didn't start smoking until about three years ago. So I feel like he's going through kind of my young, what my younger self went through um, during my college years. Um, but the issue is he's 29 years old, and I think he's just too young um, to be smoking as much pot as he does. Um, because he does smoke every single day. And when he does smoke, he can't just smoke one bowl and be cool and chill and watch a movie. He has to smoke three bowls in one night. He gets to the point where he can't handle his shit. He's not himself. And it's just not enjoyable to be around someone who's stoned every single day. And I've experienced 
expressed this to him. I've used my words, as you like to say. I've expressed this to him, and he just does not do it. He just doesn't do it. Um, he'll get into this stage where he just does this, and then I'll get really upset. It'll become this big thing in our relationship, and he'll stop. He'll agree that he won't smoke every day, and he'll admit that it's too much, and he'll be good for about two to three months, and then he'll be, we'll be right back in this cycle, we'll be right back where we were. I've never asked him to stop completely just to cut back so I can be with him and the boyfriend that I love and the person that I love being around. That's who I want to be with and not this stoned guy. Yeah, it's that's I mean, interesting. And I just have to say I love in on your show, Dan, that you're, like, not afraid to be, like, Break up with him because I'm there's that's on the spectrum for me in my response right now. Mine too. That's yeah. where I am. Well, it it just seems like there's other there must be something else going on. Yeah. Like if you're smoking so much of, or doing so much of anything, mm-hmm. there's something else going on that you're trying to get away from your life in some way. So her instincts are right too yeah. that it's like it's a little late to be smoking this much. That you know, Abby and I have each like gone have like relationships with weed, you know, and and I guess people also like expect us to be blazed all the time and I don't know this um this so not, well you, you did name the characters on the show after you have you the, you use yeah. your own names um and so do you think I'm, that contributed to people assuming you just are these yeah, characters yeah 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 and, and they're right they, I mean they're, they're also younger versions of us mm-hmm. so I'm like this one girl I smoked so much more when I was younger and now I smoke I can have weed in my house for a long time. Like, I just don't smoke as much. So I do feel like if someone finds weed or alcohol or anything later, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's a, they're like catching up or something. They want to totally. have that. It's like the crazy. guy who comes out at 30 and dick. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, you can suck too much cock. Yes, I'm yes, a big yes, fan yes, of blowjobs. Yes, yes. You can have too many dicks totally. in your mouth in a week. Totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Like, I, I like used to smoke more, but I still smoke or like blaze because I like vape too. I love the vape, but I mean daily. But just she also is right about that. Where it's like it's not just puff; it's like three bowls. You know what the thing that leapt out at me was when she said he smokes so much that he can't handle his shit, mm-hmm. and that's why I think you caller should break up with him because right now he doesn't have to handle his shit because yeah. you're there handling his right. shit, so he can get this fucked up and messed up all the time, knowing that there's this net under him called the girlfriend right, yeah, right, who's right. going to handle his shit for him and maybe he'd be a little bit more responsible if he was on his own right now in this stage of life. Yeah. And like on your show also when you tell people to like break up with people like it's tough because it's like so much easier said than done or whatever but it's also just like she's asking for that. Like you can tell in her questioning yeah, she, that she knows yeah. that that's the answer. And it's not like you wouldn't have called a, me if you didn't. Right. That's that. You wouldn't have called. What, what is it? You're like, I in just don't know, episode, Alana. When I go into the bathroom and call Alana, I'm like, I just don't know. And I'm like, yes, you do. You wouldn't have called me if you didn't. I, because pointed, I, I wrote want, about that yeah. because you were me at that moment. I know. I died when I read people that. People ask me for permission to do the thing that they already want to do. She and you were playing that role. She's you not were calling being like, slip. stay with it. You'll figure it out. Yeah. She's calling for like a big. And this, I think yeah. it's often very necessary for me to tell women to break up with their yes. partners, male or female. Because one of the zaps the culture puts on women's heads is that they have to work and repair and yes. fix. Mm-hmm. And then every guy's a fixer upper. And if the relationship falls apart, it's because you didn't do the work. And I'm just like 24 to 28. That's a good run. 
<laughs> That's a big chunk of your life. He's and... not going to remember any of it, but it was a good run. <laughs> but she, she got a big a big chunk. That's I hate when people like to talk about stuff, relationships working out, which is supposed to mean that you die together. It's like what? That's a great run. And we it are sounds... trying to popularize the notion of a successful short term relationship. It's it's yeah. beautiful. It can be a successful one night stand, a successful like summer together, three yep. four years, even a twenty year marriage. That you should be able to two people should be able to survive a relationship. Exactly. And it have and be, be and the regardless goal is, of success. The goal is also that you're better after than when you started and that's beautiful. And it sounds like she like had a good partner and, and figured out how to have a good partner and recognize when she doesn't have a good partner anymore. And it's like you guys have been together four years, the second half of your twenties. I hate go, to use go. shrinky buzzwords, but codependency mm-hmm. and learned helplessness. Like right now I don't think you're good for him. It's, yeah. And he's not good for you. You're not Clearly. enjoying this relationship, and I don't think you're good for him either. It's a good time to have, like, a new, fresh Go round. date a drunk. Change a <laughs> <your> pace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So before we let you go, and you guys oh are so God. great coming in and sh- all this time, I just want to hear, this is season three. Mm-hmm. I want the show to be on the air forever. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want you to stop, but... What next? Uh, do you, are there films you guys want to do? Are there other shows you guys want to do? We just took like this long, like beautiful Seattle walk over here um, for like a half hour. And we we're just talking about our year because we're gonna. Sorry, but postpone the next season a little bit. But uh, but it'll be good because then it'll be on longer or whatever. But we're just you know talking about our year. It's so exciting, you know, to not be in the same grind. And Broad City is our wife and our baby and our but. It's it's and there's it's so exciting. much packed into each episode. Yeah, so many scenes, so much running around, so many characters. That's what I love about it. It's so dense and it's so fast. But to film that half hour must require more work, more writing, yeah, more producing. And Terry was just asking than us anybody else's half hour. And it's it, yeah, the writing <laughs> of it is way. so stressful. I think because we put so much into every episode, as if it was going away, mm-hmm. as if right. it was the last episode we were going to make or something. But, we, but I would. Yeah. Be, I don't think we would do it any other way. But we're excited. We have a few months to like figure out some other stuff and like diversify. We're producing other projects, and we just finished writing um, a movie not uh-huh. not for us. And it was like so such a cool experience. Yeah. Like it just felt so boss to be like to play God together, and it not you know to we're always like writing like then she, and it is great like our like sexy friends fake going down on us. It's great, but it's also like. Come on. We, we like write it and then we get there and we're like, what are we doing? But then to write somebody else in ridiculous situations and we're like, ha, yeah, we wrote this you whole know. Movie. Oh, you have to have sex with yeah. me, Golden. Yeah. <laughs> Can you write me into that? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, just other um, working on stuff together and separate. Abby's like getting back into illustration. She's an incredible artist and has like cool stuff coming out. We yeah. have like, it's exciting. We're going to. Be working until we die. Do you ever, ever have any urbanist geeks compliment you on the show? I'm an urbanist geek, a mass transit geek. I love cities. And one of the things that I think is so great about the show, and I'm, it's not, I'm clearly not the intent baby, but it's just it's shot throughout it that this is how you live in a city. Mm. You live all over it, that the city is your living room, that both of these characters are just embedded in all of New York. And your apartment may be small and shitty, but New York is huge and beautiful. And that's really the trade-off of living in a city. You can have some house in the exurbs on two acres, and it's going to be a little bigger, but what the fuck is out there? Yeah. Or you can be in New York and have a small apartment and have the world. And the energy. I mean, I love, I love Thank you for saying show. that. I, 
that's something that we focus on so much is how will you really get there? What does this really feel like? All all that stuff draw, um, is such an influence for all the storylines. But I feel like TV and movies, there's so much that's like shot on a stage in L.A. Mm-hmm. And it's such a shame. Wouldn't you love to see a show that was shot here? And it was a, like any any city or, or country but actually to- being shot at the actual place that it's supposed to be. How many shows are supposed to be in Chicago or are supposed anywhere? It's like, but it's not. The, Chicago has its all its its whole set of de- like the same set of details that we use for New York, but it's like nothing's ever there. Yeah, but it would it would make I don't know. I think that adds so much to it. To so sh- the real O'Neills, which is this sitcom that I wasn't am yeah. involved in, is oh, set in are. Chicago and. I was laughed out of the room when I said maybe it could be filmed in Chicago. Yeah, and, and everyone's like, "Well, we don't want to move to Chicago, like because it requires or there isn't the money to be yeah. in Chicago." Are you, you consulting guys have the suits on or it? The, the money people suggest that you film this, in but LA? the money. What are you talking about? It's like the just move, just move the money. You you <laughs> you name where that money goes, and just then move that money into that. Um, well, it's all about like tax credits and all that shit. And it's just like, okay, create a cell of the spreadsheet that figures it out. You're just making a spreadsheet. Just do it a different way. I, I mean, nobody thought that this should be in LA just because we had 35 webisodes that proved that it had to be in New York. Thank God. But like, there are stages in New York too. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's oh, and anybody out there yeah. who hasn't seen the webisodes, they're great. Thanks. Thank the thank waxing you. webisode. <laughs> My yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was insane. I haven't. Just, I don't I think walk by that nail salon. Me too. Like, I think that was the last time I ever got waxed. Actually, it's like it's like what I'm. I'm getting a horrible burn. A burn stash. What are we doing here? <laughs> okay, before we let you go, any just general piece of sex advice from your vast experience that you would like to share with the listeners? I get asked that question all the time. I have to give one piece of advice, and for me, it's always price of admission. GGG. What's yours? Say it again. Price of admission. Identify the prices of admission you're willing to pay. Like, to be with this person, they are slobs. Well, you probably have to pick up after them for the rest of your life. If you're not willing to do that, don't be with this person. If you are willing to do that, stop bitching about it and pick up after them. Price of admission. And GGG, good giving in game. That's what you should be in bed. Do you have, like, the one piece of sex advice that you would give? I think I'm going to say mine, like, for me, which is so funny. I feel like my character on this show, even though she is, like, much more timid than Alana, mm-hmm. but she paid. But she down, paid. baby. She down, <laughs> she down, baby. She's yeah. I I love getting to Abby play Abrams her. Down. I don't know. I think Abby is who we are, and is Al- and Alana is who we all wish we were. Yeah, exactly. Same for myself in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's who I am. That's who I yeah. pretend I am. Ha ha ha. Um, I don't know. I think for me, wait, what was the the word one piece of sex advice? You advice. Give your younger self, give your 16-year-old self one big piece of sacrifice. I think it's to be more open and adventurous and, yeah, I think that's game. what I say. Game. Game. game, yeah. That same kind of here and also just like telling myself that the exploring never stops. Thank you so much for coming Thank you. in. Such so a pleasure. Much. Thank it you so cool. Such an honor pleasure. and pleasure. Also, nude scene for Paul Downs. Another request from Terry. See you there, season uh, three. Season three. See you there, right. season three. <laughs> yes, multiple times. Oh, yeah. well, I thought we were going to miss an episode, oh, but my we're gosh, not going to miss right? an you're episode. Not, <laughs> you're not going to. Hi, Dan. I was thinking about quitting porn. My girlfriend says it leads to sexual slavery, uh, you know, enslavement of uh, women and children. 
That being said, I find it very difficult to give up the uh, enjoyment or uh, <laughs> the addiction of, of porn. Any thoughts on whether this is true and is this a legitimate reason for giving it up? And uh, any ideas on how to give up such a uh, hobby? Here's a workaround. I would advise you to go to feministpornawards.com and click on What is Feminist Porn? where you will read actors being treated with respect, paid fairly, given choice and ethical working conditions and empowered in their work is one of their criteria for feminist porn. And after you share these criteria with your girlfriend, you can promise your girlfriend that all porn you view in the future will be only porn that has won awards or been nominated by the feminist porn awards juries. You can look up all the porn that they've heaped awards on, produced ethically by people who are not coerced or enslaved into doing pornography on their website. They feature movies, movies by year, porn. You also might want to check out Violet Blue's website, tinynibbles.com. You also might want to follow Tristan Taramino, regular guest here on the Lovecast, on Twitter because she's constantly tweeting about and writing about feminist porn and the people who make and produce it. There is a porn stream out there for you that you can feel good and not conflicted about swimming in, porn you can feel good about consuming, and porn that should be okay with your girlfriend. If the porn that you find through feministpornawards.com or Violet or Tristan is still not okay with your girlfriend, then her problem with porn isn't the working conditions, it isn't enslavement of women and girls, it's just porn she has a problem with. And one of the tech savvy at risk youth just piped in in the corner. There's also animation. There's also anime. There's also literary pornography. Stories that are written by people who are turned on by them generally. The audience isn't huge. They are labors of love. So you can get online and you can find all sorts of erotica that features no images at all. And if your girlfriend still objects, then maybe you need a new girlfriend. Hey, Dan. I'm a 34-year-old, I guess, bisexual man uh, living in Texas. Yeah, I occasionally have sex with men. Um, I have a question about booty calls. So, like, I enjoy getting fucked, like, you know, by a guy almost as much as I enjoy fucking a woman. But the hookup culture between the two is so fucking different. and you know, with a girl, like, I basically have to convince her that, like, I'm not a serial killer. And, like, with a guy, like, he's, like, instantly, hey, what's your address? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I guess my question is, like, like, what's wrong with that? Where's the disconnect? Why, why can't there be some easy way for bisexual people to hook up. Years ago, there was this study where on college campuses, they sent out attractive young women to approach young men and ask them if they'd like to have sex right now. And lo and behold, lots of the guys who were propositioned by these women said, yes, they were totally game. Let's go fuck. And then they sent out attractive young men who approached women on this same campus to say, hey, you want to fuck to women? to young women, to college-age women, and the women were like, huh, no, huh, no, huh, no, much less likely to say yes. And 
this is uh, many decades ago. This study was conducted, and people extrapolated from this that women were less interested in sex, less sexually impulsive than men, uh, experienced less desire than men did. Recently, and we had the author of the study on the show in Germany, I believe, sex researchers controlled for risk. They presented men and women images of opposite-sex partners, straight men and women, images of opposite-sex partners in a controlled environment, and the women were assured, men were assured, that these people, they could have sex with them, and it would be safe, and no one would ever find out, and they wouldn't be harmed, and the women were just as likely to say yes to sex with a stranger, someone they were never going to see ever again, an attractive stranger, as the men, because violence had been controlled for, because they weren't afraid that this person who's approaching them, this stranger that approached them on the campus, offering to have sex with them was going to rape and murder them. Guys typically don't move through life worried that the women that they encounter are going to rape and murder them, but women don't have that same luxury because men do regularly at an alarming and appalling rate rape, murder, sexually assault, beat the women that they are with. So the reason... The chief reason you're finding women to be less impulsive sexually, less just up for it, less just here's my address, is because women have to control for and work around the expectation of male violence. So if you want to live in a world where women are just as likely as guys to say, here's my address, get out there and combat rape culture. Get out there and make the world a safer place for women. Get out there and confront guys that you may know who have made the world a less safe place for women. When women feel safe, they're just as likely to say yes. They're just as likely to wanna. Women don't feel as safe, however, because of men. Also, a factor here is the bi thing. A lot of women, straight women, don't want to be with bi guys. They feel threatened by bi guys, or they feel like bi guys are really secretly gay guys, or they feel like bi guys are likely to have a sexually transmitted infection. All stereotypes, all not necessarily so, but also a factor. So if you're telling these women that you're bi, it may be creating a problem for you. If all you're interested in is NSA sex, you don't necessarily have to disclose that you're bi. I think it's good that you do. I'm pro-disclosure on just about every front, but that could be hampering your game. But the likelier thing that's causing difficulties for you isn't the bi thing when you're just looking for casual sex partners. It is the violence thing. Fix that. Get out there and work on that, and you will find it much easier to get women to say yes to you in the future. I'm calling about today's episode of, of course, young Jewish girls that come from more religious communities have like a certain way of dressing. And it's really obvious. If you lived in New York City, you would know. We're not talking about like, like deeply Hasidic women, but young, pretty, early 20-something or teenage Jewish girls that are from religious communities, you can pick them out on the train. They have like that kind of long, like longish skirt and like long sleeves, but it's, but they're kind of have their own sort of sense of fashion and it is really cute. And they have really wild long hair, just like long hair. They wear their hair really long and they look sort of like, like studious and, but kind of cute. Like there are a lot of girls like that that have that kind of way of looking and it's totally a thing and I don't know if there's porn around it but it's definitely a thing Hi Dan Secular Jew here just calling to enlighten you religious Jewish women especially those who have a little bit of money typically wear black pencil skirts with black nylons and uh, often rather tight sweaters it is hot as fuck 
Hey, Dan. I was just calling in to say, you know, that Scalia read code word, stop now, don't continue, boner killer. Um, it works. It works too well. Okay? Just be warned, it works very, very well. Hi, Dan. I'm calling in response to the caller from episode 488, the girl being shushed by her boyfriend when they fuck at his house in a flat share. Dan, being shushed is one of my many kinks. I love it when my guy tells me to shush. He teases me for being loud, and it turns me on that others might catch us or hear us. He now covers my mouth with his hands, and it makes me come so hard I am screaming in his hand. I mean, even the thought of telling you this, I'm a mess just thinking about it. But anyways, now we're discussing ball gags. If she wants to introduce Kinky into her life, get gagged, baby. It's hot. All right, we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you want to record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-302-2064. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Alana Glazer on Twitter at iLazer. Follow Abby Jacobson on Twitter at Abby Jacobson. Hump, the little porn festival that could, is touring the country right now, and you could and you should go see it. Go to humpfilmfest.com for information about dates and times and cities. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and Nancy and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for